I think that what is happening in the U.S. regarding abortion is a brutal lesson for feminists. The draft ruling wants to take us back to medieval times. Mm -hmm. If it were to be approved, it would have a negative influence on the courts of other countries all over the world. What affects one affects us all. These are collective problems that must be solved with collective movements. If women in the U.S. do not mobilize in the street by the thousands, they will not be able to reverse this sentence of the court. Welcome to episode 110 of the Refuse Fascism podcast. This podcast is brought to you by volunteers with Refuse Fascism. I'm Coco Das, one of those volunteers, guest hosting this week's episode. Refuse Fascism exposes, analyzes, and stands against the very real danger and threat of fascism coming to power in this country. In today's episode, I want to follow up on the informative conversation I had last week with Marcela Garcia about the Green Wave in Latin America, a movement in the streets that has been winning abortion rights. By sharing a conversation I had this week with Susana Quirotti, the Latin America Regional Liaison for the Sisterhood is Global Institute, about her op-ed in the Miami Herald. Titled, While Roe v. Wade is Under Attack in the U.S., Latin American Women Are Winning Abortion Rights. But first, this was a week of seismic events, beginning with the leaked draft of the majority opinion authored by Samuel Alito, which signals the intention of the fascist majority of the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade. And then there was the outpouring of fury that followed, with thousands taking to the streets across the country, in front of the Supreme Court itself that very night, and then not only in the big cities, but in small towns and places that have been far too quiet as abortion ban after abortion ban gets passed, people flooding into the streets. This opinion takes up the most extreme rhetoric of the Christian fascist anti-abortion movement while claiming a ridiculous assertion to originalism, a legal tactic weaponized by the fascist federalist society to overturn any of the progress of the post-Jim Crow era. The opinion also explicitly criticizes Lawrence versus Texas, which ended laws that banned gay sex, and Obergefell versus Hodges, which legalized same-sex marriage. Alito claims they are not, quote, deeply rooted in history, unquote. The opinion even argues that women should be forced to give birth against their will because there is a shortage of a, quote, domestic supply of infants for adoption. This is an atrocity, but it is not yet law and doesn't have to become law. It is what they are on track to do if we do not stop them. And the fact is that we can stop them. This week also showed us how quickly things can change and why it is never true to say that the people will never rise up. This week, we made a beginning with thousands of youth walking out of their schools on Thursday and protests continuing into the weekend. Now everyone is talking about abortion. It is a question that everyone needs to take a side on. And while previously the mainstream pro-choice forces were conciliating to the end of Roe in advance, this draft opinion made clear and brought out very starkly 
what a post-Roe future would look like. And suddenly more and more people woke up to the fact that a post-Roe world would be an intolerable nightmare. Rise Up for Abortion Rights has been organizing people in the streets to defend Roe since January. And when people started lifting their heads after this draft opinion was leaked, and they started looking around for what they can do, Rise Up for Abortion Rights was there and people had a place to turn to. Today begins a week of action, May 8th to the 14th, to grow this resistance into millions and stop the Supreme Court from taking away our right to abortion. At the back end of today's episode, you'll hear a couple of voices from the streets this week. But now, here's my interview with Susanna Chiarotti. Okay, today I'm very excited to talk to Susanna Chiarotti, the Latin America Regional Liaison for the Sisterhood is Global Institute, about her op-ed in the Miami Herald titled, While Roe v. Wade is Under Attack in the U.S., Latin American women are winning abortion rights. And we'll link to this op-ed in our show notes. Susanna, thank you so much for being here. It's okay. I'm very glad to be here. Well, so first, I'd like to get your take on events in this country, both the draft opinion being leaked on Monday from Samuel Alito and the outpouring of opposition that followed. What do you think is happening and where do you think it might lead? I think that what is happening in the U.S. regarding abortion is a brutal lesson for feminists. That uh, draft ruling, which I hope will be corrected, wants to take us back to medieval times. Mm. If it were to be approved, it would have a negative influence on the courts of other countries all over the world. So the lesson it teaches us is that our rights never remain firm. We must defend them day by day. We cannot take them for granted. Many young women today who were born with this right have no idea of how much it costs to obtain it, nor of the serious consequences of losing it. Clandestine and unsafe abortions, increased maternal mortality, etc. This is because abortion will continue to be performed, whether they are legal or illegal. Behind the judges drafting this sentence, there are a powerful and coordinated attempts to roll back hard-won sexual and reproductive rights, not only in Latin America, but around the world. It is not just these judges. There is a whole movement behind it. They have well-funded international networks. They have well-paid lawyers trained by international conservative groups to litigate or lobby against women's rights. And these groups not only outline a detailed agenda to end the constitutional right to abortion in the United States, but continue to confront the advances of women around the world. I really appreciate you giving a global perspective on the impact of this ruling, if it is allowed to go through, which, you know, people flooded the streets. And I think if we stay in the streets, the most important thing right now is to keep this draft from becoming law. I thought about what impact it would have on people in this country, but I didn't really think about how this would actually empower and give further fuel to these you know, what I call fascist attacks on the right to abortion all over the world. So I really appreciate you bringing us to that. Recently, we spoke to Marcela Garcia, who had written a piece for the Boston Globe about the green tide or the green wave in Latin America. And she told us a lot about what has happened in Colombia, Mexico, and Argentina. But your article actually mentions that rules are being relaxed in other countries as well. 
Could you tell us what is going on in some of these other countries? For example, you mentioned Ecuador and Chile, and you know, maybe talk a little bit about the region as a whole and some of these other countries. Yeah, you know, luckily in five years, the situation changed. Today, 37% of the population of Latin America and the Caribbean, amounting to 652 million people, live in countries where women have won the right to legal abortion or not to be in prison for having an abortion. Mm -hmm. Also, including Cuba, Guyana, and Puerto Rico. Five years ago, the proportion was less than 3%. In Chile, abortion was totally banned by the dictatorship of Augusto Pinochet, and only since 2017 has been permitted in cases of rape, fetal non-viability, and risk of the human life. But now, the Chile Constitutional Convention, which is drafting a new Carta Magna, approved by a large majority, an article that enshrines sexual and reproductive rights as fundamental and guaranteed by the state. These rights include abortion. The article establishes, sorry, but I am a lawyer and I, I give a lot of importance to that. It will be great if they approve finally. The article establishes that all persons are entitled to sexual and reproductive rights which include, among others, the right to decide freely, autonomously, and in an informal manner about one's body, about the exercise of sexuality, reproduction, pleasure, and contraception. Furthermore, it adds that the state shall guarantee the exercise of this right. So what, what does mean that poor women can also have this right free? And they say, without discrimination, with a focus on gender, inclusion, and cultural relevance, and ensuring to all women and persons with the capacity to state the condition for a pregnancy, a voluntary interruption of pregnancy, voluntary and protected childbirth and maternity. So if the new constitution is approved by popular vote in September, Chile could become the first country in the world to give constitutional status to abortion rights. And in Ecuador, where Parliament approved abortion in cases of rape, President Guillermo Lasso partially vetoed the law. Nevertheless, it was a little advanced because the, the veto was partial, not, uh, not uh, total. And in Brazil, that is the most populated country with 212 million inhabitants, There could be changes if former President Lula da Silva assumes the presidency after the October election, since he has publicly said that he agreed with legalizing abortion. There is there. It is only allowed now, only allowed to interrupt a pregnancy in cases of rape, health risk for the woman or anencephaly of the fetus. And the practice is hindered by Jair Bolsonaro's own ultra-right government, mm -hmm. which mobilizes group of fanatics to harass women and health personnel. Has the green wave also spread to these countries? Or yes. is there a movement in the streets in these countries, including yes, Brazil? Yes, there is a massive, a massive mm -hmm. movement. What can you tell us about El Salvador? Because um, I've been hearing a little bit about El Salvador. My understanding is that women there are being jailed for miscarriages, but that this green wave is also starting there. Can you give us a sense of how things are going in, in El Salvador? Well, in El Salvador, you know, women can face sentences of up to 50 years for miscarriage or stillbirth. Women here have been demanding the right to abortion for decades, but the demands intensified after 1998 when abortion was banned without any exception. The green wave gives them more strength, but that does not mean that the struggle of Salvadoran women began with the green tide. 
what is happening there? Women who have had miscarriages and were left passed out, woke up and handcuffed in the hospital and were taken them to jail, as in the Manuela case, which has just been resolved in the Inter-American court. Manuela was a rural woman of limited economic resources, illiterate, living with her family. And in February 2008, Manuela was pregnant. On February 27, 2008, she suffered an obstetric emergency, was treated at the San Francisco Gotera Hospital. The medical staff concluded that Manuela had severe postpartum preeclampsia plus anemia due to significant blood loss. And the door who attended her filed a complaint against Manuela because her medical child showed that she had given birth and, however, she did not have a product. The court indicated that her case was analyzed in a biased manner with gender stereotypes and that this was only possible because Manuela was a woman of limited economic resources, illiterate and living in a rural area. Of course, the court ordered various measures of reparation to the state. So there are now high expectations that with this ruling, at least abortion to save the life of the mother and in cases of rape will be authorized. All social organizations are pushing for this. I mean, it's a horrifying situation. I'm interested in this quote that is in your piece. You wrote, feminist leaders were joined by thousands of young people debating in all manner of spaces the right to bodily autonomy. Can you describe that a little bit? What do you mean by all manner of spaces? What did that look like? How were these debates manifesting in society? Well, in Argentina, the campaign for the right to legal, safe and free abortion emerged at the national women's meeting attended by women of all ages, thousands of women, including girls and adolescents. And little by little, commissions in support of the campaign were organizing educational spaces, first in universities, then in high schools. One of the activities which was replicated throughout the country was the Green Tuesdays. It was held in the main squares of the country's cities and towns and included debates, workshops and kermesses. And the young women and girls who gradually joined the campaign went there. Later, Networks of these students were created, as well as networks of women lawyers, health professionals, nuns and theologians, university professors, women trade unionists, women politicians, and so on. Elementary school girls, because also the debate was on the media, little girls asked their teachers to explain them what abortion was. I have an anecdote of a very conservative anti-abortion lawyer who was criticized by her daughter, who is in the last grade of elementary school. She told her, Mom, you can't be so conservative. Women have to have the right to manage their own bodies. Mm -hmm. And the girl made the mother change. You know, she began to think differently, to at least to put uh, in question this issue that she was so sure of. In the last time, there were more than 300 organizations and networks in the campaign. So it is not surprising that when it came to organizing a street activity, Thousands of young people carried the banners. Mm -hmm. You know that even in secondary school, they organize gender collectives mm -hmm. and they ask the boys to organize deconstructive masculinity collectives. So, so interesting, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, there, I, I have a lot of an anecdotes of that, but it could be very long. But it was a very, very interesting move. And all these people, girls and boys, went to the street when we mobilized. I think it's so important because in, I think part of why we're in this situation in this country is because of the, the terms of the debate 
were set and seized by the anti-abortion movement for so long, where you had the Democratic Party here, like barely saying the word abortion. And so the anti-abortion movement, this Christian fascist, you know, so-called pro-life movement, seized and dominated the public square and the public debate. And it is really time now to take inspiration from what they did in Latin America and take back the public square and the public debate here. I'm really interested in this other thing that you wrote about where you said that there was the green for abortion and the light blue representing the anti-abortion opposition in Argentina, but that virtually disappeared. The light blue movement disappeared in Argentina after the law passed. And I have some idea of how or why that might have happened, but I wanted to ask, what do you attribute that to? What happened to that opposition in in Argentina? And on the flip side of that, what is the danger that still lies ahead, even though they've won this great victory in Argentina? Well, you are right to be on alert. You are very right to be on alert. Because the political artifacts created by the opposition to confront the campaign were discarded like used furniture when the abortion law was passed. There is a research done by uh, at the University of Rosario that shows that the pro-life party, for example, was composed of only one married couple and ceased to exist after the law was passed. Mm-hmm. The same with other organizations. But the fact that these tools are no longer there does not mean that those who use them have disappeared. Right-wing fundamentalists are always on the alert, preparing new, new strategies. They are connected, they have funds, and every day they generate new obstacles to the exercise of the right conquer. Mm-hmm. They have connection with the U.S. and Europe and many funds, and one of the strategies is to place anti-right people in parliaments and courts. It is a medium and long-term strategy, but it, it pays off, as can be seen in the U.S. They also have a political vocation. In Argentina, Fundamentalist evangelicals set up an office in Buenos Aires in front of the National Congress, and every day they visit senators and deputies, invite them to pray with them and bring them bills. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, they, they continue working very much united. And what will happen in the US will influence a lot their activities. It's a really good point. I mean, even when they're driven back, they do regroup. And they can regroup very quickly, especially with there's so much power and money behind them. I wanted to read another quote. First of all, I want to thank you for being with me today. You have such a wealth of knowledge, and I feel like I could listen to you for hours. You also wrote this, and I think it's a really, really important point. As conservative fundamentalism spreads globally, the Green Tide movement is a call to feminists everywhere, but especially to those in the United States. Only through collective action can we reclaim bodily autonomy as women burdened by a patriarchal system. Solidarity between Latin American feminists and our sisters to the North means sharing knowledge. And this might seem like a basic question to end with, but I actually think that people need more of an understanding of this and it's worth digging into here. Why is collective action so important to this fight? Well, I I think that When you have a right for many years, decades, you take it for granted. It seems to you that you will never lose it. Mm -hmm. And since you don't have to demand it, you don't organize, you don't claim it. And the feminist movement takes a break, you know, probably a long break. Mm -hmm. Now, if women in the U.S. do not mobilize in the street by the thousands, they will not be able to reverse this sentence of the court. And it is also necessary 
that the human rights movements and other social organizations and the progressive media join this demand and that there is a generalized clamor not to go backwards because it is not only women who will be affected, but society as a whole. Democracy is weakened if the rights of half of the population are restricted if women are forced to leave their bodies as a prison. Therefore, the entire population must unite in the claim. It is not just a, a women's issue, not even a U.S. women's issue. What affects one affects us all. These are collective problems that must be solved with collective movements. You know, we have the successful experiences of Me Too and Nuna Menos, not one less, mm -hmm. and others like it. These movements show that only collectively we will be able to move forward. In fact, Me Too scared the pattern who began to accuse us of being Nazi feminists. As Don Quixote used to say, the dogs bark, Sancho, the sign that we ride. That's so well put. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing. How can we follow what you're doing and where you're writing? Where should we look to see more about this work and to follow you? So I teach at the university and have some conferences or participate in media presentation. That's all. Really good. Uh, well, we will definitely keep our eye on what you're putting out. We'll continue to follow what's happening in Latin America. And we will continue to be in the streets here and to keep growing this network of people throughout society who need to weigh in on this question and take a stand because right now people sitting on the sidelines are going to allow this decision to go through when we have a chance to stop it. We have a very short window of time to activate the thousands and millions who need to speak to this and be in the streets and take collective action with us. And I think they'll learn a lot and our listeners will learn a lot from the knowledge you've given us today. Thank you so much, Susanna. Why do you why did you guys come out today and what do you sort of hope for realistically? I came here because I'm a 15-year-old girl in New York City and my rights are being threatened. And I came here because I'm hoping to not allow these government officials who think they have control over my body to do what they're doing and take us back 50 years of fighting. First of all, I want to say you all are so beautiful out here. Beautiful.
streets. But since Monday night, this has been in the headlines. This has dominated. Everybody knows. So now is the time when everybody knows, and this is not yet the law, for us to rise up and stop this from becoming the law. Very patriarchal, very repressive, places where abortion 
women had been criminalized for generations. Places where women were sent to prison for miscarriages. Places where women died and had their lives foreclosed by forced motherhood. But the women there rose up and they kept coming back and they kept coming back and they kept coming back. Until they made what everybody thought was impossible a reality. They decriminalized abortion in Argentina. They decriminalized abortion in Colombia. And don't let anybody tell you that it is too late to stop these fascists on the court from decimating Roe versus Wade. Bob Avakian, the revolutionary leader I follow, has a quote. The politics of the possible is the politics of monstrosity. If we accept what everybody says is all that's possible, you have to accept this Supreme Court ruling because we are not on the court. You have to wait. You have to do just what the rulers and their political channels tell us we can do. If we accept that, we are accepting monstrosity. And in contrast, we need to change what's possible through our struggle in the streets. So I want to talk very concretely about how we do this. Next week, starting this weekend, rolling through the week, RiseUpForAbortionRights.org has called for a week of action, a week of resistance, a week of raising hell, where everybody, everybody has to show which side they're on. And you are either in the streets, you are either walking out, you are either shutting down, you are either rising up, or you are saying you are okay with female enslavement. There is no neutral. And it is the unbridled fury of millions and millions of women across this country that needs to be woken up and flood these streets. Millions and millions of women and girls rising up in fury against thousands and thousands of years of patriarchal chains and degradation. The brutality, the insult, the rape, the sexual assault, the street harassment, the pimping out, the degradation. Generations and generations have been treated as less than and property of men and baby making machines and told that your worth is in your virginity and told to be ashamed, to be ashamed of your body and your desires and your sexuality and differently gendered people. All of this fury that has been suppressed, that has been suffocated, needs to come out in the streets right the fuck now to stop this we must not go back 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 and i want to say that you have the power young people have been in the forefront of every major movement for social change now is the time to put it all on the line and in this fight we need everybody, different backgrounds, different genders, different nationalities, different outlooks. Different ages. 
and we need to unite all who can possibly be united. All of us together to drive, draw a line. You're either for stopping this Supreme Court from enslaving women and decimating abortion rights, or you are on the wrong side. And for myself, I come at this as a communist and a revolutionary, a proud follower of the revolutionary leader, Bob Abakian, the architect of the new communism. And I am coming at this with the recognition that we are going to have to take this fight all the way to bringing down the system that rules over us. To finally end all of tra tradition, chains, and patriarchy. To finally end the white supremacy that passes through this society. To finally end the climate-destroying profit motive of capitalism and the way it is grinding up our sisters and brothers around the world. So if you are feeling me on that, I want to invite you to check out The Revolution Nothing Less Show. It's a YouTube show I co-host. We have our 100th episode coming out tonight at youtube.com slash the And so come and learn about it. But as we do, we need to stand shoulder to shoulder with people again, uniting all who can possibly be united to stop this Supreme Court and make clear that if they try to take this right away, if they try to enslave women, if they try to go forward with this, their society will be prevented from functioning at all. So let me hear you one more time. You are so beautiful. Let me hear you one more time. Prepare for post That was Anna Hunt, a 15-year-old student who participated in a school walkout this past Thursday, and Sansara Taylor speaking to students who walked out in New York City. The leak of the Samuel Alito draft, wherever it came from, has turned out to be a gift we must not squander. Now is the time to seize. Tell everyone you know about the movement RiseUpForAbortionRights.org, that's the number four, and sign up to resist so we can stop the Supreme Court from taking away the right to abortion. Thanks for listening to the Refused Fascism podcast. We want to hear from you. Share your thoughts, questions, ideas for topics or guests, or lend a skill. Tweet me at Coco underscore Das, or our regular host at Sam B. Goldman, or you can drop her line at Samantha Goldman at refusedfascism.org. 
leave a voicemail by calling 917-426-7582. You can also record a voice message by going to anchor.fm slash refusefascism and clicking the button there. Want to support the show? It's simple. Show us some love by rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts or your listening platform of choice. And of course, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can donate by visiting refusefascism.org and hitting the donate button. Thanks to Sam Goldman, Richie Marini, and Lena Thorne for helping produce this episode. Thanks to our incredible volunteers, we have transcripts available for each episode. So be sure to visit refusefascism.org and sign up to get them in your inbox each week. We'll be back next Sunday. Until then, in the name of humanity, we refuse to accept a fascist America. Thank you.